Have you given up on Christianity or or the church? Or maybe you, you know someone who has, or maybe you're thinking about it. What was the reason for that? Or what is your reason or, or their reason? See, for a lot of people who have maybe left church or, or given up on Christianity, or just kind of outgrew it, it wasn't so much as of a what that made them leave, but more a, a who. A Christian or maybe a group of Christians who who decided that what, what you chose to do with your life didn't really meet their standards. See, when, when people reject Christianity, it rarely has to do with Jesus. Welcome to Together for Salem. My name is Monica and I'm your host for this week's episode. This is put out by Cross Creek Community Church. We are a church in Salem, for Salem. We are for you. In fact, we are for you both online, on the podcast, and also in person every second and fourth Sunday. So if you live in Salem or the Salem area, you are welcome to come check us out every second and fourth Sunday. We have information on our website about those gatherings. We would love to see you. But in the meantime, I'm gonna pass it over to my friend, John. He's gonna wrap up our You Can series with this final installment. We're so glad you're joining us. We're so glad you're able to take this time to be with us and to learn as we move and journey together with Jesus. So check this out and I'll see you on the other side. Have you given up on Christianity or or the church? Or maybe you, you know someone who has, or maybe you're thinking about it. Uh, what was the reason for that? Or what is your reason or, or their reason? For some people, it's sometimes a, a slow progression, right? You kind of outgrow that, that religion that you grew up in. Uh, for others, maybe couldn't reconcile the idea of, of science and what we feel the Bible says, or um, that couldn't reconcile the difference between that there's a, a good God, yet there's still existence of evil in the world. And those are really, I think, common things, but more than likely, there's usually something else mixed in there, kind of in the, in the undertones of it all. See, for a lot of people who have maybe left church or, or given up on Christianity, or just kind of outgrew it, it wasn't so much as of a what that made them leave, but more a, a who? A, a Christian or maybe a group of Christians who, who decided that what, what you chose to do with your life didn't really meet their standards, right? See, when, when people reject Christianity, it rarely has to do with Jesus. It rarely has to do with what Jesus taught. But very often, it has to do with how they were treated by someone else claiming to speak for Jesus. And I, I know you know this, many Christians see themselves as the moral police of society. And the sad thing is when that happens, it, it only adds to the, the pain we see around us. See, it creates more anxiety and even forms of depression because you can't really feel like you, you measure up. You never know if you actually are in or out. And it just creates this, this guilt because you just don't measure up to their standards. 
creates division in this us versus them that, you know, we're the holy ones and the world is out there and we need to, you know, fight against it. And it also creates loneliness, this kind of judgmentalism, right? Because for if, if you're in that, you, you have to hide who you really are or you won't be accepted. And so you're, you're alone. You're not really known. But the point we've been trying to make in these past five episodes for this You Can series is following Jesus isn't about what we should or shouldn't do. It's about who you can be and what you can do because of Jesus. See, Jesus came, came to love and, and die for and, and to bring new life to a world of anxious, divided, hurting people. And he's invited all of us to join him, to, to commit our, our lives to his cause. And so as we, as we close this series, I think we need to look at what that truly looks like, what it truly requires to follow Jesus this way. And if you aren't a Jesus follower, what, what I want to do in this episode is show you that, that following Jesus isn't maybe what you've experienced from like a, a crazy street preacher or from your religious relatives or those moral police Christians. If you don't consider yourself a Jesus follower, I want to, I want to show you that maybe there's more. And for all of us, here's what I think we can discover is that what you can discover is that you can intentionally multiply hope peace, and love in the world. See, Jesus actually laid out what he intends his followers to be. He says it in what we call the the Sermon on the Mount, kind of a a collection, a summation of Jesus' main teachings. You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He says that, his followers, Jesus' followers, are intended to be the salt of the earth. And this, this phrase, salt of the earth, is often used when, when you know, they take these, this verse and talk about it. It's used to say that Christians are the ones that preserve the moral integrity of the world. And they do this by being the salt, because salt preserves things, right? In the ancient world, salt would preserve the meat so it wouldn't spoil. And the Christians are the ones that are preserving the world so it doesn't spoil by, by pointing out people's sins so that they behave better, so that God won't punish our nation, which is really interesting because that's not something we see in the rest of the New Testament teachings. That's not really like a main teaching of Christianity. See, a view that makes a lot more sense in, in the context of Jesus' overall message and the rest of the New Testament writings is that salt adds flavor. In fact, salt adds life. If you don't have salt, you die, right? So salt adds life, gives us life. So a view that makes really more sense in the context of Jesus' overall message and and the rest of the New Testament writings is that salt adds flavor to things, so adds flavor to life. But salt also is necessary for life. Salt provides life. And so what Jesus is saying here is that his followers, Jesus' followers, exist to bring life to the world. And see, Jesus goes on. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. He says his followers are the light of the world to give to give light to everyone else, to give light to the rest of the world. So what does that mean? 
to, to shine light on what is right and what is wrong, to, to, to illuminate the sin of people so that they realize their guilt and they repent and turn to God. <laughs> the interesting thing is, Jesus actually said that's someone else's job, not Jesus' followers. In fact, that's the Holy Spirit's job is to convict people of sin. Check out John 16, 8 about that. See, and the thing is, the Holy Spirit does a pretty good job. We don't have to help him in that too much. Most people, deep down, know that there's something wrong. There's, there's a disconnect between who they actually are and who they want to be or who they want to see themselves as. And so, yes, the Holy Spirit sometimes uses us to talk about sin. But when we talk about sin, it should be like Jesus, how he talked about sin, which was never from a judgment standpoint. It was always from a restoration standpoint. See, sin tries to enslave us, tries to kill us, to kill our, kill our relationships. But there is a way to be free. See, we've all broken the law of love, and we can talk about that another time. And we can't do anything about the hurt we've caused in other people's lives. And so the truth is Jesus died to give us forgiveness of that hurt we've caused. And he rose again from death to life to bring us new life that we can live in through him. See, that's the point. That's the point of talking about sin is that there is a way out of it. And so Christian, if you can call yourself a Christian, listen, I'm going to ask you a question. Are you more passionate that people hear that they're sinners or are you more passionate about offering restoration and love? Which one do you think Jesus was more passionate about? See, in your heart, in your mind, in your speech, do you focus, when you talk about Jesus and Christianity and faith, do you focus on judgment or on restoration? Go and read how Jesus interacted with sinners. How much judgment did God himself on earth throw at people? See, Jesus didn't intend his followers to be the moral police of the world. He intends his followers to be the light of the world. Okay, so if we're, if we're not talking about shining light on everyone's sins, what is this light of the world shining? What are, we, what are we shining on? And it's this. We shine on the fact that there's something better. There's something more for people. There's a way out of the darkness. There's a way out of the despair. There's a way out of the discouragement that we all face. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see. Why? So that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, the church, Jesus' followers, were designed to be his example to the world of his love, of his compassion, of his mercy. Jesus' followers illuminate who Jesus is. Jesus' followers are created to be a beacon of his hope, love, peace, and joy. We're created to offer the invitation Jesus has given to everyone that everyone can experience true hope, peace, and love. So the question, we've got to stop and ask this question, is have you, listening to this, watching this, have you experienced this hope, peace, and love? See, what we're talking about in, in these You Can episodes and basically everything we talk about on, on Together for Salem is this, this isn't about just trying to be really good and, and trying to be a kind person so people like you. It's actually about giving our allegiance to Jesus, that our life is now about following Jesus. He's our true leader. It's about trusting him, trusting that his death 
and resurrection forgives us and then gives us a new life now and forever. And that is something you can do right now. You can experience that true life, that true peace, love, comfort, joy, simply by choosing to trust him. Simply by choosing to, to give your allegiance, not to yourself anymore, you're not in charge of your life, but to give your allegiance to Jesus and choose to follow him with your life. And then once we do that, we are invited to be part of bringing his hope, his peace, and his love to the rest of the world. So the question is, how? How can we be the light of the world? Because here's the thing, it doesn't happen by accident. And it doesn't happen by, you know, being really nice to people and hoping that maybe something someday clicks for them. Like, that person was nice. Maybe I should follow Jesus. It doesn't work like that. See, it takes intentionality. Something we at Cross Creek call intentionally multiplying. And it's actually simpler, but more powerful than you might think. Being the light of the world requires intentional prayer, actions, and words. And where do, we, where do we get that idea from? It's actually from a letter called 1 Timothy. The first letter we have recorded that the Apostle Paul wrote to a guy named Timothy, who Paul was kind of mentoring to lead a group of Jesus followers in the Roman city of Ephesus around 65 AD. And in this letter, Paul kind of gives three, three ideas. And we kind of broke it down to three questions that can guide us into being the light of the world. So how do we actually be the light of the world? Here's what Paul says. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf, and give thanks for them. So Paul tells us to, Paul tells Timothy, and then through Timothy us, to pray for all people. And so our first question, how to be the light of the world, we need to ask is this. For whom am I intentionally praying? And this prayer that Paul gives us to be the light of the world, or this prayer he talks about, talking about to be the light of the world, it's not just that these, these people in the world will repent and become Christians. Jesus, please just help them see how sinful they are and that they'll repent. But the prayer that Paul talks about is that God will actually make a difference for good in their daily life. And then that we, we thank God for, for doing good in their life and, and taking care of them. See, if you think about it, most of our prayers, if we, if we pray, are for ourselves, right? I do it too, like all the time. God, please give me this. Help me pay for that. Help me uh, not actually have caught this, you know. Most of our prayers are for ourselves, but think about it. Who are we praying that God will overwhelmingly and undeniably show his love to. That's how we are the light of the world. It's by specifically praying for people. Not a prayer, not just a prayer that good will happen to them. It is that too. But somehow that we can be his agent of good. So God, please help this person. And, and if there's a way for me to be a part of that, me a way for me to show them love, help me see that and, and actually be able to do it. Which then leads to the next question. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. And just a little side note, the, the king, the emperor of Paul's time that he's kind of alluding to was Nero. The, the emperor that Paul says we should pray for is Nero, the, the emperor that ordered Paul's actual execution. Just side note. Anyway, so why pray for authorities? 
Paul says that to, so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives. Well, why do we want to live peaceful and quiet lives? Well, so obviously, so we can enjoy our God-given freedoms, right? So that we could can uh, keep keep our rights. Oh, so we can go to a church service every Sunday, right? That's why we want peaceful. Oh, no. So we can live any way I deem best. No. Paul says, so that we can live lives marked by godliness and dignity. Another word for dignity, respect. Meaning we are free to openly love others with the love of Jesus. That's the connotation that Paul's saying here. We want peace from persecution, not so we can just have freedom to live any way we want, but freedom to demonstrate who Jesus is with our words and with our actions. So our next question is, who am I intentionally loving in order to show the love of God? We pray for peace so that we can intentionally love people with our words and actions. Now, why is this important that we, we want to be able to show people God's love? This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. This is the truth. For there is one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity. The man Christ Jesus, he gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And there is so much there, but it's also just that simple thing that Jesus came to give us freedom. See, God wants everyone to know. He wants everyone to understand and on a deep level his love, his peace, and his forgiveness. That it's, it's not just something for a special select few or something, this, this acceptance and this love for, for the super holy who have earned it. Think about it. That person in your neighborhood, that person in your office, or that person in your class is someone God desperately longs to have an eternal relationship with. He wants everyone to understand this truth. And so our third question in being, how can we be the light of the world, is this. With whom am I intentionally sharing the life Jesus offers? See, we intentionally share the life Jesus offers because we have experienced a love and a life that we can't help but want others to experience. And this idea of, of sharing this life, of, of sharing um, our faith, if you will, it gets people all kind of <laughs> weird and anxious. But if you think about it, really, it's not as complicated as you might think. So you might be saying, oh, John, I would, I would love to share, but I just, I just don't know what to say and when to say it, and I don't want to cause weirdness and awkwardness and, and all that. But here's the thing, and we've said this before. If you've experienced it, you can share it. If you're married, tell me about your first date with your spouse. You were there. You remember it. You can share it, right? Tell me about your, if you're a student, tell me about your first day of school this year. You were there. You experienced it. Tell me about your favorite restaurant. You've been there. You know what the food's like. You can talk about it, right? You've experienced it. If you've experienced this, this life that Jesus offers, all you have to do is share it. Share what you've discovered because of it and, and why you chose to, to follow Jesus. And we have resources on yourcrosscreek.com slash alliances that maybe could, could help you in, in discovering your, your voice or your story and in, in sharing the life Jesus offers. But the thing is, this sharing, it's not about making people conversion projects, right? Like, I'm going to be your friend so I can make you a Christian. No, think about it. If you're married, you intentionally love your spouse. Not 
as a project or, or just to get something from them, but because you want what's best for them. If you're a parent, you love your kids not to get something from them, but because you want what's best for them. If you're a friend, you do the same thing. And it's the same for everyone around us. Because Jesus loved us, because Jesus has given us a new life of love, joy, and peace, we want to share that so that others can experience the same thing we've experienced because we want what's best for them, because we love them. In fact, Jesus' best friend John said, we love because he first loved us, because we love because Jesus loved us, and we want to share that love. Loving like Jesus is loving intentionally. Think about it. Jesus didn't just kind of like end up loving us by accident. He chose to love us intentionally. Jesus' death and resurrection, like the ultimate expression of true love, wasn't an accident. It was like, ah, oh, crap, I got killed. Well, I guess I'll turn this, you know, turn this dark cloud with a silver lining and, and, and make it a good thing, and, and now it'll be like a love thing. No, it was an intentional choice to die and rise again to give us forgiveness and new life. And so if we accept our role of being the light of the world, we need to love the same way. And that's why we make a big deal about intentionally multiplying. Intentionally multiplying means we love others so they can love others who can then love others. And so steps to being intentionally multiplying, just, just a few steps to kind of help us move along. Ask those three questions that we just talked about. And then ask Jesus to use you to intentionally love somebody specific with your prayers, with your actions, and with your words. And then find support and give support. And that's why we have connect groups. So that we have a, a kind of like a support system helping us love others and talking about loving others. And especially why we have created alliances so that we can work together with a partner to, to pray for people, to pray for that person that we are specifically praying for, to, to give us ideas of how we can specific, specifically love people. And those two things, connect groups and alliances, are also great avenues to help us share with people. They're great avenues to, hey, you want to come meet with a group and just talk about life and, and how Jesus kind of makes it better? Or, hey, you're kind of struggling with, at work or with parenting or whatever it is. You want to kind of, you don't even have to call it alliance, but use our resources to kind of go deeper with them and, and show what love really is like. Because here's the thing. We, Jesus followers, we're not the moral police of the world. That's not our job. That's not why Jesus came and died and rose again so that we could be the moral police and make sure everybody follows all the rules. We were created to be guides, shining light on the life and love we have experienced with our prayer, with our actions, and with our words. Following Jesus isn't about what we can't do. It's about who we can be and what we can do because of Jesus. And so because of Jesus, you can be who you were always created to be. You can become a new creation and experience new life. Because of Jesus, you can confidently trust. We can choose to not live in fear, but to trust because we know Jesus cares for us. Because of Jesus, you can authentically connect. Because it, See, because we were accepted and loved by Jesus, we can accept and love others. Because of Jesus, you can independently grow. We can take responsibility for our spiritual maturity and then apply it together. And because of Jesus, you can purposely invest. See, we can use who we are and what we have for the good 
of others. And finally, because of Jesus, you can intentionally multiply. We can intentionally bring hope, peace, and love to our world. And so what step are you going to take? Who are you going to choose to be? You can live a life of purpose, of meaning, of peace, of joy, a life of hope. If you choose to trust and follow Jesus and choose to allow him to love through you, you can discover, enjoy, and share the life Jesus offers. I'm really excited that we get to do this together. I'm really excited that a huge part of what we celebrate uh, at Cross Creek is the enjoyment of following Jesus. So um, one of the ways you can do that is in our large group gathering. As I mentioned at the front end of the episode, um, we have those gatherings and we're providing dinner this week, providing um, kids classrooms. If you're interested in your kids being in a kid's environment, you can also keep them with you. Uh, but we're going to hear from um, Brenda at Samanka Place over in Kaiser. It's a ministry that's uh, under the umbrella of Union Gospel Mission, and they help families and women in Salem. They do amazing work, so we want to celebrate that. We want to let you know about it. That's going to be happening at our in-person gathering. You'll be hearing from her. We'll take communion together, which is optional. If you're interested in taking communion, you can do that. And then we'll eat dinner together, so it's going to be pretty neato. Uh, we have two more gatherings in November, so keep your eye out on the website for that, on our social media uh, channels, and just mark your calendars. But we do uh, want to partner with CASA for our For Salem Challenge for November. So if you are able to come to our in-person service, uh, you can grab a tag to support a foster kid and give them a Christmas present. So if you're interested in that and you weren't able to come to our gathering, send us a message, send us an email, and we'll get that information to you. But that's just another way we can be for our neighbors. And that's our focus for our November for Salem opportunity. If you, this is your first time watching, please send us a message. You can use our website portal, email. Um, but we just wanna know that you're watching. We wanna say hi to you. It's a chance for you to say hi, maybe ask questions. Cause yeah, this is a little different. It's a little weird. So that's one way for you to do that. Uh, we fully admit that uh, the way Cross Creek is doing the church thing uh, is different than other churches, but we do want to come alongside you. We want to answer your questions. We want to be a community that's for you and for Salem. So using the website or sending us an email is a great way to reach out and we will respond to you. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening, podcasters. Sup? And make sure you check out these discussion questions right now. Don't judge others. Nero. Say <laughs> no. Uh. Hello, friends. <laughs> Kaboom! Look at John bringing it all Look together. Look at it all come together. Oh my gosh, I gotta pee! Get this thing off me! Oh my god, please don't bring it.